AM 680 and FM 98.5. That one button on the AM side in your car for AM 680 and the other button on the FM for 98.5. And you'll be sure you'll hear WPTF. The Tom Kearney Show is on every night, Monday through Friday from 9 until 10. We bring you a little bit of in real-time radio, and we hope uh, to bring you topics that are educational and entertaining and uh, 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 provide uh, some, some so that you, something so that when you go away, you can say, I learned something tonight. I mean, we concentrate a lot on, on things that have to do with the Tar Heel State. One of our favorite guests over the last 10 years, we were, he and I were talking just a little bit ago, we, we have a pre-show uh, shakedown. Uh, Nick Petro of the National Weather Service uh, arrived uh, in the, the local office. He had been in North Carolina before, for some time, uh, down on the coast at Moorhead City and and uh, maybe somewhere else he could tell you that. But he came to Raleigh, and he's been our uh, our weather guy. He's the warnings preparedness uh, meteorologist. Nick, am I doing all right on this? Did I get that about right? Yep, you sure did, Tom. Uh, thanks again for having me on tonight. Yeah, well, I always love, you and I have fun talking, and I've always loved to keep up with the weather. The first thing I do in the morning when I turn the computer on is to click it over to the weather forecast and see what what's coming up. And I could sit here all day and just take that one page that's your website and go and investigate the different categories, and it would keep me out of trouble and probably has over the years. But uh, having you on, uh, Nick visits us about once a month, and sometimes it's more and sometimes it's a little less, depending on what the weather's like. Actually, we don't call him up much when some bad weather's here. Usually when we call him up, bad weather just appears out of nowhere. Something, oh, well, not bad weather, but something unusual. Well, you've noticed that, haven't you, Nick, as we've gone along? There's usually something yeah. coming along that's interesting. And, and tonight we're going to remember that it's the middle of June and uh, the hurricane season. Uh, which begins officially on June 1st, is beginning to warm up slowly. But we're already, I think, two two names into the list. Uh, recently, the National Weather Service published some uh, tips for things you should do in, in the summer to look out for yourself vis-a-vis the weather, and I think you'll want to talk about that. And whatever else is on the weather guys, the meteorologist's mind. So... Uh, where do we start with you, Nick? Uh, do, well, let me say this. Maybe this would be a good place to start. Uh, uh, this is history. This is something I haven't even mentioned yet. But uh, Mrs. Kearney looked me in the eye tonight when we were eating supper and said, you know, who's going to be on with you tonight? And I said, Nick. And she said, oh, well, ask him what, what happened to the winter. And and I, I sort of sympathize with her remark there in that we really didn't have a really cold winter. We had a mild winter. Uh, uh, tell me that, that, that I'm right about that. Well, you are uh, correct about that. And, you know, um, you, you said something really interesting, and, and, and not, to, not to get off topic, but you said something really fascinating right when you uh, opened the show, and you said every morning you check uh, the weather. And, and you know what? That is something I would encourage everyone to do because that's the first step in weather safety. And, and nobody likes when bad weather sneaks up on people. So, it's, that's what I tell people every day is, you know what, the first step in staying safe from bad weather is knowing what's coming. So, uh, so great, uh, great, great tip there, uh, Tom, and, and, and certainly wanted to, uh, uh, you know, acknowledge the fact that uh, you're, you're a good example of 
of helping people stay safe uh, by checking the weather every day. But 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 to get to get to your uh, question, um, you're right on. Uh, it was very uh, it was warmer than usual, not terribly warmer, but the one thing it was was incredibly wet, and which was unusual for the pattern that we were in. Um, a lot of times our winters are determined by the temperature out in the Pacific Ocean, the status of the El Nino Southern Oscillation. Um, you know, when years were, some years were in El Nino where the water is warm, some years were in La Nina when the water is cold, and other years were neutral where it's neither warm nor cold. And this past winter, uh, we were in the La Nina phase, the cold phase of the waters in the Pacific Ocean and the Equatorial Pacific. And, and typically, a typical winter for us during La Nina is warmer and drier. We got the warmer, but we didn't get the drier. We got warm and we got wet. So, uh, so it was, uh, indeed, you're right. It was warmer, and um, but 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 where was the winter? It it we could probably partially thank La Nina, but gosh, we certainly got the rain, and and that was uh, that that was the one thing that uh, you know I'm glad we did get because uh, this spring turned out as everybody knows very dry. And uh, so, so you know, uh, it was probably a good thing that it was a wet winter. Are we working on a kind of balance now? Because I can remember the last time you were on, which was about a month ago, I think, and one of the, the, the big topic was uh, drought uh, is looming, and we've got a, a large area of the, the, the southeast, and indeed, but of North Carolina, that really needs some rain. And we, we've had some since then. Uh, it's been sporadic, but sometimes it's been of such volume as that it would help to alleviate the drought. And I know we've had flood watches and flash flood watches and so on. That means there's more moisture. So are we out of the drought situation? No, we actually are are uh, are not out of the drought yet, um, although there has been quite a bit of drought release east of I-95. Uh, but once you get west of I-95, uh, the rainfall has not been as abundant. So, um, so I, I think overall um, we're better than where we were. And you're right; it's funny how you know we had a wet winter and then we had a very dry spring season. We had hardly any uh, in terms of severe thunderstorm and tornadoes. It was very uneventful. You know, we had a couple uh, rounds of severe weather, a couple tornadoes, but uh, I would say below average uh, what we typically see for a uh, busy spring severe weather season. And that was tied into how dry it was. But then uh, that continued into early summer, um, I guess meteorological summer, if you want to, you know, be, be more uh, precise. But uh, uh, and then, but, but then about two weeks ago, uh, everything kind of flipped on us, and we got into a wet pattern where it was just one round of rain after another, and and so much rain that, um, you know, that uh, there was uh, some flooding in some in some areas, and um, uh, but uh, but the bulk of that flooding rain and heavy rain occurred. Uh, east of, of the Triangle region, and particularly east of I-95. So um, west of I-95, like I said, is still in a, in a, in a, in a, a moderate drought. Um, and as you go further west, back toward the western Piedmont, back toward Charlotte and, and, and the Triad, it's more of an abnormally dry situation. But uh, certainly um, we could use a little bit more rain in the central and western part of the state before we could say the drought has been eradicated. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it's going to take some time before the water really, really, uh, when it does rain, to kind of settle in and really moisten things back up in terms of the ground. Well, I hope we 
we get it, but you know, I'm a native, as you know, and I have watched it every year. And sometimes, uh, many years, about this time, uh, a, a normal, really wet uh, uh, situation uh, came to the point where it started being dry and a drought, and the, the corn would dry up and so on. And it would go through the rest of June, July, and into August. And I always connected with football season because I went to a football game one time and the drought broke during the game and I almost drowned trying to get home. Uh, but <laughs> well, we, you know, what we always say is uh, <laughs> one way to end a drought is with a flood. And often the, the tropical moisture that comes with tropical storms and ultimately hurricanes and, and that that kind of thing is what alleviates those droughts that we've had in the in the in the late summer. It has been what I've recognized. Yep, absolutely. And this year is no different, I think. Uh, you know, we'll see the summer pattern kind of appear, you know, the humidity pattern where we get, you know, daily afternoon and evening showers and thunderstorms. But you know what? That's really hit and miss. You know, it, it, it's been kind of interesting because we had the last two weeks of a very summer-like pattern, and now we're kind of in a drier pattern again for the next uh, few days. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk uh, some more about the next week or so because it's looking kind of interesting down in the Gulf of Mexico. But uh, but anyway, but as we get later, more into the deeper part of the summer, we'll eventually get back into that daily off and on scattered, widely scattered shower and thunderstorm activity. But oftentimes that typical summer pattern where you have, you know, a brief daily shower, thunderstorm somewhere in the area, that's not really the kind of rain that really is widespread enough to break a drought. We we need, we need a real soaker rain, and oftentimes that doesn't really come until a tropical cyclone delivers it. And, and, and it's interesting to note, too, that about 15% of our annual precipitation uh, here in North Carolina uh, comes via tropical cyclones, sometimes direct hits, sometimes indirect hits, where we get the leftovers. And, and you know, there might be an opportunity for some of that uh, early next week. Okay, let's talk about here and take a break, and when we come back, talk about, uh, well, wherever you want to go to fit into your program, but, but uh, certainly about the, the beginning of the hurricane season and uh, uh, what we have seen so far, because we, we, nothing is, has hit the mainland so far. We've got something down in, in the Gulf of Mexico, and we've had one form off the North Carolina coast, but it was headed for England, the last thing I saw. And uh, uh, But uh, they, they, those are there, and we've had some uh, some uh, deaths along the coast having to do with rip currents and so on, and that's the thing I think you said you wanted to talk about too. So uh, the hurricanes, tropical storms, and their effect with Nick Petro will be our feature item when we come back after we check this. Nine twenty-two at here on a Wednesday night. We've got Nick Petro from the National Weather Service from NOAA's National Weather Service uh, offices on the Centennial Campus of NC State University, and he's been a regular visitor here with us. Uh, Nick, we won't say this is your tenth anniversary. If we if we have another time when you're on, we'll say it's the tenth anniversary for you to be on. But uh, you want to talk about what's happening vis-a-vis hurricanes and so on, uh, or oh, I, tropical storms up to now? I, I would love to. Of course, uh, <clears throat> the um, so far we've had kind of a you know the typical slower start, which is again not unusual. Tropical cyclones 
you know, traditionally in the month of June, um, doesn't really, they don't really get going too fast. You know, if there is one out there, it usually is very weaker, uh, doesn't last very long. Uh, the, The downside is they typically form closer to home where the water is warmer, closer to like the Gulf of Mexico or the uh, or, or just off the southeast coast. And we had Bill uh, did just that. It was a tropical depression off the Carolina coast uh, a few days ago, and uh, it you know was able to develop. And um, the good news with that is it quickly moved off to the northeast and uh, and basically is gone now. It you know it, it, it quickly got you know uh, basically whisked away by the upper level winds. And uh, was really never a, a, a problem other than maybe some rip currents uh, at the Carolina coast. Uh, of course, we had uh, the A storm uh, back in late, very late May. It was out in the middle of the Atlantic. It wasn't really a big deal. It didn't cause any, uh, any issues. But right now, the National Hurricane Center is, uh, well, before I get to that, uh, that's not unusual. Typically, you know, traditionally, the hurricane season really doesn't get going, so to speak, or ramp up until usually sometime during mid-August, and then the peak of the hurricane season is usually in September, maybe through the first week of October, and then it starts tailing off, and it doesn't officially end until the end of November. So, you know, if you're wondering, well, you know, so far it hasn't been too bad, well, it's pretty normal. It's it's Normally we don't get a whole lot of tropical cyclone activity uh, this early in the season. It does happen, and indeed, of course, uh, as I was starting to allude to, the National Hurricane Center is watching an area of uh, disturbed weather and showers and thunderstorms over the southwest Gulf of Mexico, the Bay, Campeche. And, you know, it's looking more and more likely. The National Hurricane Center says there's about a 90% chance that it's going to form into a tropical storm, uh, a named system, uh, in the next couple of days. And what has me intrigued about this system is that nearly all the forecast models bring it north from its current position which is, as I mentioned, over the southwest Gulf of Mexico, uh, and, and essentially makes, you know, some sort of, you know, it comes ashore. You know, I hate to say landfall because it's not a tropical storm or, or hurricane yet, but basically, you know, its moisture will come ashore uh, somewhere over the northern Gulf Coast, Louisiana, maybe far northeast uh, coastal sections of Texas, um, and then uh, basically its moisture will then get picked up by the steering flow and directed you know where? Sure enough, right here over the Carolinas. So uh, come Monday, uh, it's looking like uh, things could turn pretty wet around here. Uh, and remember, uh, before the commercial, we were talking about the need for a good soaking rain. You know, and, and you know, 15% of our annual uh, precipitation comes from the, you know, tropical cyclones. Well, this might be part of that 15%. You know, we might we might have an opportunity for a soaking rain. You know, come Monday or Tuesday of next week. Um, you know, nothing's set in stone yet. We're still watching it. Things could change. But uh, certainly, um, you know, it looks like there might be an opportunity for some leftover rain. You know, obviously, if it does form into a tropical storm or hurricane, they start to weaken as soon as they make landfall. But even after they weaken, their leftover rain can, can still persist on. And that's what I'm talking about maybe for Monday or Tuesday for us. It's kind of the leftover rain um, as, it, uh, as it moves uh, north and east. So. Kind of like the Matthews and the Michaels of our past that, that, that have uh, uh, spent themselves uh, over land as far as wind and so on, and they're not near the coast. But I know uh, 
I, I, you know, it was in Matthew, I think, back which was about five years ago. I got as close to being drowned as I've ever been uh, because it was just dropping water, uh, huge amounts of water. In fact, sometimes you you must, as a meteorologist, wonder how it can carry all that that moisture. But I guess it's just bringing it up steadily, kind of in a training fashion from the from the Gulf of Mexico or someplace like that. So. Yeah, yeah, and and you know I don't I don't know that it's you know I wouldn't necessarily at this point it doesn't look like there's going to be that much moisture where it's going to be you know um, you know devastating type flooding. It just might be a good couple inches of soaking rain that could really really help uh, uh, put a dent into the drought. And how about along the coast where the uh, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes here before we need to take a break, but the the uh, effect of the uh, weather situation on rip currents and things like that. I noticed we've had two or three deaths. Uh, one, I think, father tried to ended up saving his children but couldn't save himself and so on. So we probably need another lesson about swimming, you know, perpendicular to the to the, to the the rip current or something like that. Right. Well, I, I certainly appreciate uh, you mentioning that, uh, Tom, because, you know, I saw an interesting uh, study just recently that showed, you know, the people who have died where they live, like you know, where where you know, when they go to the beach and, and they've they've succumbed to rip currents, where 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 did they call home? And it's interesting to see that very few people uh, who live near the coast uh, have succumbed to rip currents, but it's mainly people who travel on vacation from areas far away from the beach. So that's why it's so important for us, even though we don't have the beach right next to us, you know, it's a couple hours away. It's important for us to talk about it because. You know, a lot of the listeners to this show might uh, might take a, a beach vacation. That that said, you know, really, um, rip currents are 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 ever present. You know, they've always been there. They'll always be there. Um, this is nothing new. They've always occurred. So um, it's just you know now we're we're really having a good sense of how dangerous, deadly, and uh, frequent they are. Uh, so you know, essentially, um, you know, we we can definitely get into if we have time, the, how they form and, and, and so okay, forth. Okay, can, well, can we stop and let that be a tease, and let's do that right after the break. Is that all right with you? Absolutely. Because yep. we're yep. right to the point where we've got a weather, um, not a weather, but uh, a news forecast coming up, and uh, we'll tell you that we're talking with Nick Petro of the National Weather Service about hurricanes and the weather of summer and spring, and we'll be back after we check the news. 933 WPTF, and while we're talking about the weather on the Tom Kearney Show tonight, we'll use uh, the weather as a marker to remind you that it's a good time to have your, your automobile checked out. So when the, when the pollen has been falling all over it and you've been waiting for rain to wash the pollen away, you know it's a good reminder that now is the time to take your vehicle to King's Auto Service for a spring checkup. You better hurry because spring's almost over. We can have a summer checkup, in fact, in the next week. Items that need to be checked include wiper blades. In fact, I had to just get some new ones on my car. They mechanic said they had dry rotted and had been beaten up pretty well during the winter. Uh, the, the abuse is what the word he used. There is a cabin air filter in your car that helps keep pollen out of the car and helps those people with allergies. You might want to have it checked during uh, the spring checkup. Make sure that your air conditioning is ready for the upcoming hot weather. We've, we've done pretty well so far, but uh, I think Saturday is supposed to be up around 96. If you're currently driving a Toyota Prius or some other hybrid vehicle, uh, the certified hybrid technicians at King's Auto are now able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than the dealer would charge to replace it. 
This replacement usually occurs at about 150,000 miles. Call King's tomorrow to schedule a courtesy battery analysis. King's Auto Service and King's Correct Loop, along with a state-certified inspection station, are easy to find at 1039 Northwest Street in downtown Raleigh and at kingautomotive.net on the web. King's Auto Service, Raleigh's most reliable auto care since 1946. talk about baseball on Friday night. The good Lord willing, if everything's all right, we'll have Friday night trivia, so we'll invite you to join us then. In the meantime, we're talking about the weather, and this is the time of year when you need to pay attention to the weather because we are in the period uh, when we're going to eventually lead up to uh, to the high point of the hurricane season in North Carolina, although it officially begins on June 1st. Uh, as Nick told us earlier, it's sort of in late August and into the first couple of weeks of September. It is the high point on the, the, the curve, the bell curve of uh, hurricanes in North Carolina. We are talking with Nick Petro of the National Weather Service, warning uh, coordination uh, meteorologist. Uh, he's the guy who makes sure we know what, what's going to happen and the media knows what's going to happen and is able to translate it to, to our listeners. And, uh, Nick, you were, I can't remember what you were talking about now, but we decided that it would be a good good tease uh, uh, when you came well, we, back. We were, uh, we were talking about rip currents and uh, yeah. uh, you mentioning how, you know, most of the people who succumb to rip currents uh, don't live near the coast. They, they, they come from, you know, uh, places, uh, you know, well inland, uh, traveling to the coast, and, and they may not, uh, they may not, you know, hear a lot of, Rip current safety messaging uh, back in their in their home hometown. So that's why I think it's important because I know a lot of your listeners, a lot of listeners, um, you know, um, will will you know vacation down at the coast, uh, even just for a few days, a weekend or so. And uh, you know, uh, it's it's important to highlight uh, rip current safety, uh, even though the beach isn't right next to them. So 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 that said. Um, you know, rip, rip currents, as I as I kind of alluded to, are nothing uh, are, are nothing new. Uh, rip currents, you know, have always been there uh, and always will be. And, and really, it's a function of you know the water uh, impacting the coastline. You know, when it hits the beach, where does the water go? It, it it doesn't just disappear. You know, when that water and those waves hit the coast, it has to go back out to the ocean to where it came from. So. Um, Sometimes it, you know, hits hits the beach and then goes right back out. Sometimes it gets trapped and funneled into these channels of, of water that really rush it out very quickly. And that's uh, basically what a rip current is. It's a narrow channel of fast-moving current of of water that's uh, <clears throat> basically uh, sort of uh, taking all the water that's impacting the coastline from waves and you know and, and basically circulating it back out to the sea. And uh, unfortunately, oftentimes swimmers who you know have no idea that they're there can get caught up in those rip currents, and those rip currents can be incredibly powerful. Um, even the strongest swimmers uh, can get caught and pulled by rip currents. So it's important to know what to do if you do get caught caught up in a rip current, and, and it's and it's real simple. I mean, you know, unfortunately. Um, I think what happens a lot of times is, is people who get feel that rip current and start getting pulled out, they think they're going to get pulled out, you know, 
a far distance. They think they're going to get, you know, pulled out, you know, miles and miles away from the beach. And that's not the case. They're only going to get pulled out uh, just a short distance. Usually rip currents dissipate uh, just a short distance from the beach. And what happens is a lot of times people panic. And, and, and in panicking, you know, they suddenly, uh, you know, may, may realize the, you know, or, or may forget uh, the safety rules, which are real simple. If you get caught up in a rip current, you start to feel that current pull you out to sea, stay calm and try to sort of uh, swim perpendicular to it. Don't try to fight the rip current. You're never going to fight. You're never going to beat the rip current. You're never going to be able to swim against it. So why not just relax, let it carry you out, and when the rip current dissipates, slowly make your way back to the, to the beach, uh, but not directly against the rip current. Or, or swim out of it, swim perpendicular to the rip current, and then gradually make your way back to the beach. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and that, that's, that's for strong swimmers. You know, if you're not a really strong swimmer, um, you, you absolutely you have to swim at a beach with a lifeguard. And, and talk to the lifeguard. Ask them, has any rip currents been seen? Is this area, you know, noted for rip currents? And if, if there are rip currents, a lot of times they'll have the yellow... Uh, or, or they'll have the red flags posted. But, but if, if you really don't, aren't that really good at swimming, it, but you still want to go in the water, just, just wade in the water. Don't go in too deep and always, always swim where there are lifeguards posted. So that's the best thing I can advise for folks who are headed to, uh, headed to the Carolinas or any beach, quite, quite frankly. Um, uh, this, and, and, and believe it or not, I mean, rip currents can happen any day of the year. Um, but but they're especially common during the hurricane season, when e- even when there's a hurricane, you know, a thousand miles out in the middle of the ocean, it could still send a very powerful wave energy back to the coast that can enhance or increase the number of rip currents. So um, hmm. so this is definitely one of the most dangerous, deadly uh, summertime weather hazards, and and folks just need to pay attention to that and swim where there's huh. lifeguards. Well, I've noticed that sometimes when when some uh, stormy condition exists, uh, not necessarily a hurricane, but something building up to it, the the one warning that you will get is that uh, that that the energy that's con- conserved there will be causing rip currents along the coast and everything when when there are not any other problems. And and one of the things I will say is that uh, your folks, Nick, and the the media tend to give some. Uh, publicity to this, you know, so that you're aware of what's going on. Could we talk for a moment or two about some of the other summertime things that you have safety tips about? I know one thing that that uh, we need to always be reminded of is is lightning and how uh, the incidence of lightning that uh, comes with the summer months. And I don't know, yeah. the, the high tornado season in, in North Carolina along the coast seems to be in April and May and, and so on, but the tornadoes do not go away at this time of year, as far as I know. They're still out there. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Tornadoes can occur really any month of the year. The The peak of the season for tornadoes is in, uh, as you pointed out, March, April, and May. There's a secondary peak in, in tornado activity, usually in, in late November or mid-November. Um, but, uh, but basically, uh, oh, and then there's also, you know, when tropical cyclones are making landfall, um, or, or affecting the, the Carolinas, uh, outer rain band uh, tornadoes can, can occur as well. So, 
Um, but, but as you pointed out, lightning is one of the most uh, common summertime hazards. And, and there's one thing that folks need to keep in mind, and that is there's no place outside that's safe during lightning. No place. You know, a lot of times, you know, when, when, when the thunderstorms approach and they move over, people think, well, let me just find some shelter. Maybe I'll go seek shelter, you know, um, in this picnic pavilion. Or maybe I'll seek shelter under the porch. Or some people even say, hey, I'm going to stay dry. I'm going to go run underneath that tree. Oh, my gosh. All of those, all of those, and especially the tree, <laughs> are not safe places to be during lightning. So, so you know, it, it, those kinds of places might keep you dry from a su summertime thunderstorm. But, by gosh, never seek shelter under a tree. You know, so many people every year die of lightning strikes when lightning strikes a tree and then there's somebody standing underneath it trying to stay dry. Um, so never, never seek shelter under a tree. You know, it, it, when, when you can hear thunder or when you can see lightning, you're in range of being struck. So, you know, we, we, have, we have a saying, you know, that, uh, you know, when, when thunder roars, you know, uh, go indoors and, you know, um, you know, uh, for, for, for uh, those who might be hearing impaired, we always tell them, you know, when you see lightning, you know, it, it, you know obviously you can't hear it, but, but if you see lightning, get inside, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, so, and that works for, for everyone. If you see lightning, get inside. If you hear thunder, get inside. Um, and if, you know, and if you're around something that's sticking up in the air, there was a really bad incident in eastern North Carolina when I was much younger, when I was, like, in school and so on where uh, people were working in what we used to call tobacco. They don't do that now. But they went over to stand beside the tobacco barn while it was raining, and there was a, there was a shed there, you know, so there was some cover. Like you said, you weren't going to get wet. Well, the thing sticks up in the air, and lightning struck it and ran down a metal sheathing that came down and killed a bunch of people. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you, don't be hanging around trees, promontories of any kind. Yeah. And you know what? It, it, so... so you know, just 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 nice, just to reiterate, when I say go inside, I mean an enclosed building, not 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 a shed or a picnic pavilion or a tent or something like that. It has to be an enclosed building. Now, somebody might say, well, what if I'm at a state park or I'm at a uh, somewhere outside where you know I'm on a trail or I'm at the softball field, it's soccer practice time or any other sport or activity. You know, and there's no building to seek shelter. The best thing to do in that case is get in your car. And, and wait it out in your car. You know, cars, uh, obviously, convertibles don't count but <laughs> for obvious reasons. But, but, but as long as your car has a metal roof, you're good. You're, you're set. You know, seek shelter in your car, and your cars provide really good lightning protection. And, uh, and it's not necessarily the tires. It's just that you're surrounded by, by metal, uh, sort of the body of the vehicle, uh, lightning prefers to take the path of least resistance, which, which is around you uh, via the metal of the vehicle. So that's why, you know, uh, cars uh, offer uh, plenty of safety uh, during lightning. So, you know, when I used to help, uh, uh, you know, coach uh, softball uh, back in the day, um, you know, it, when, when lightning would, uh, would, would, would appear and we could see it or we could hear, as soon as we could see it or as soon as we could hear it, um, we didn't have a building to send people to, uh, to seek shelter. We just had everybody, I had everybody go to their cars. Cause, uh, and then finally, uh, and this is just as important, 
You know, when a thunderstorm ends, when the rain's over and the storm moves away, the lightning can still reach back to where it had been. It can sort of reach back to where it came from. Uh, so we always tell people, wait at least 30 minutes before you resume outdoor activity. And you can reach back, in fact, over the horizon. Uh, let's say that you're listening to Nick Petro of the National Weather Service talking about some things to look out for in the summer, uh, in the spring and summer uh, in terms of weather. And we've been talking about lightning. We'll pause now for a message or two, and we'll come back and, and continue our consideration of the weather on the last quarter of our program tonight. Subject that we hope and think are interesting and, and indeed valuable. I'm learning a lot tonight about the weather and how to deal with rip currents and to beware of lightning. It, it seems like uh, some of these things that we remind you of each year as we have uh, Nick Petro and other meteorologists on from the National Weather Service but it seems that the lesson needs to be repeated each and every year, and people need to be reminded of it. I think we've got about five minutes left, and that can sort of be yours if there's anything we haven't covered tonight that uh, that uh, might uh, be of interest. And one thing that, that I think, if I can throw it in the hopper, is, is the different ways that people can get information from you folks, you know, the apps and the, the, uh, the weather radio and things like that. And... Uh, uh, to keep people sensitive and, and and remind people also that that when you're out on, on the water, uh, the rules still apply. It's still there's still lightning out there and there's still problems on the water too. And, and sometimes people seem to get into a kind of fairyland and forget about that that kind of stuff. Actually, the water is even water is even worse because you know um, you know there's two things that that, that attract uh, lightning. Well, three if you you know considering metal objects, but trees. And water, that's where most lightning fatalities occur associated with people, you know, even at the beach, you know, on lakes, boating, fishing, you know, people swimming, you know. So, so yeah, definitely uh, everything we talked about in the last segment as it applies to lightning also applies on the water. And, you know, and, and folks who are boating especially are vulnerable because it takes longer to get back to the dock, you know. So, so storms are, are in the forecast. You know, and again, as, as we started the show, I talked about the importance of checking the forecast every single day when you wake up so you know what, what, what could happen. But if you've got plans, outdoor plans, check that forecast and make sure you have, you have, you have a plan on how you're going to react should dangerous weather, particularly lightning, uh, catch uh, us, uh, sneak up on you. So and hopefully you, it won't sneak up because you'll be prepared. And you're out in the open there, too, for one thing. In fact, I think I remember hearing one time that that the weather radio that is associated with the National Weather Service actually started for boating interests rather than, and, and then they uh, increased it so that it covered, uh, uh, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, that's so important, and, and thanks for pointing that out, because, you know, no weather radio is a great tool to be alerted to weather warnings and weather hazards that uh, a National Weather Service pushes out. So. You know, a NOAA weather radio, NOAA is our, our, our parent organization, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. That's what NOAA stands for, in case anybody's wondering. But uh, the, the weather radio, all hazards radio, delivers important information, uh, not just, you know, obviously about weather, but other hazards as well. So, uh, so, so you know, these radios are fairly inexpensive. Um, you know, you could pick up one of these radios uh, at any uh, retailer, big box store, um, they cost around $25 or $30. You can get them online at your favorite online retailer. Um, and, and, and you could program them for the county that you live in so that you're not receiving 
hazardous weather alerts for someplace 50 miles away from you. You can program it for the county that you live in so that when you hear that alarm go off, you know it. You know it's going to affect you. You don't have to be wondering, well, is that really something that's pertinent to me or not? If, if you program that radio for where you live and it goes off, it, that means it's going to affect you. So, uh, so and it's especially important at night to have a tool, a method um, to wake you up. It was funny because uh, John, your producer there, and I were talking uh, during one of the breaks about how folks a lot of times put their phones on mute at night. And occasionally I do that too. And, and, and you know, if you put your phone on mute, you may not hear the tornado warnings uh, that are delivered on your cell phone via wireless emergency alerts. So having a no-weather radio is a great tool as a backup so that when you're sleeping, if we uh, and we do get tornadoes at night, in the middle of the night, and those are usually the most deadly because people are sleeping. So with a no-weather radio, you can be woken up anytime there's a weather hazard, even in the middle of the night. And, and let me say, in behalf of my broadcasting interests, like stations like WPTF and our sister station, WQDR, and indeed virtually all commercial uh, and even the non-commercial educational stations have a direct line to the National Weather Service, and you folks, your your system puts it out there. And I know at, at, at WPTF it goes on the air automatically. It doesn't even come to the studio. I think it goes straight to the transmitter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, through the emergency alert system, it's a very uh, a great uh, system that allows uh, your station and others to, uh, to, to, yeah, as you pointed out, directly carry in air uh, those alerts that we put out. You know, it's really easy to program these radios, and, and if you go to our website at the National Weather Service, uh, Raleigh, it's uh, weather.gov slash Raleigh, uh, weather.gov slash Raleigh. Uh, we have a link on there for No Weather Radio where it will show you and kind of demonstrate uh, and, and discuss how to how to operate those radios. I, I shouldn't even say operate because it makes it sound like you actually have to do something. <laughs> no, really Thank easy. you. We're, well, I'm gonna have to stop you now because we're out of time tonight. But this has been a wonderful program because you conveyed so much information tonight. That's why I'd like to have you on, Nick. You're a good talker and you put the well, word out. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Thank Nick you, Tom. Petro of NOAA's National Weather Service located on the Centennial Campus at NC State University, has been our guest tonight. Tomorrow night, Tony Rigsby will be here, and we'll be talking baseball.